الحمد لله رب العالمين اشهد ان لا اله الا الله ولي الصالحين اشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله بعثه الله رحمه للعالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك وانعم على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اما بعد اوكي okay. uh, we're going to move on to hadith 8 باذن الله تعالى uh, and then uh, we're going to do a little bit of skipping but not much and we're going to cover a number of devotional acts of the heart. Uh, and that's where we're going to make it up to until Asr, inshallah ta'ala. Um, this first hadith is under a new book. The book title is Iman, uh, which we commonly translate as faith. Does anybody want to take a shot at what Iman is? The, the definition of Iman from the Sharia standpoint. Not the lexical definition, but the legislative definition of Iman. Okay. Yes. What do you say? Belief. All right. Yes. Uh huh. Stay. Uh huh. Okay. Nice. MashaAllah. So you said belief in the heart, statements on the tongue, action of your limbs, and it fluctuates, right? It increases and decreases. All right. The reason why I'm asking that is because let's take the word as-salat, salat, right? What does salat mean linguistically? It means dua, right? Simply mean. So if somebody said, yeah, I pray five times a day, you said, and, you, and they went away and they came back and you said, uh, 10 seconds later, you said, or 20 seconds. He said, what did you just do? He said, I, I prayed. And then you said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, I, I made prayer. I prayed. I made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does that count? They do that five times a day. Does that count as the, the daily prayers? No, even though linguistically, it's fine. But iman is the same way. Linguistically, you can say it means tasdiq, even though yani, some later scholars would disagree with that as a linguistic definition, that it doesn't just mean belief. But regardless, the definition of iman from, uh, from an Islamic, yani, in terms of legislative perspective, is qawlun wa amal, which is what you talked about, but I'm going to break it down a little differently. Statements and action. Statements, statements and actions. Okay? Iman... Statements, the statement of your heart and your tongue. And the actions of your heart and your tongue and your limbs. So that's five categories. The statement of your heart and the statement of your tongue. What do you think the statement of your heart means? Hmm. The statement of the heart is what was referred to earlier, and that is your affirmation, right? This is something that comes from your heart. To affirm in your heart and to firmly believe in la ilaha illallah. That there's no true God except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by the way, the word God in the English language by itself with theologians it means the deity worthy of being worshipped. It's actually what God means. It means the deity that deserves to be worshipped. So when you say that there is no true God except for Allah, that's good for la ilaha illallah. 
Because it does mean that there is nothing worthy of worship except for Allah. Okay. That is the statement of the heart. The statement of the tongue, what they refer to in this hadith, is to testify to la ilaha illallah. Actions of the heart are different. What are actions of the heart? It's what goes beyond that statement. So now you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you love his messenger. You fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have reliance upon Allah, a tawakkul. These are actions of the heart. You have actions of the tongue. So everything that goes beyond testifying to la ilaha illallah is considered to be an action of the tongue. Like what? Dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dua. What else? Citing the Quran. Okay? These are actions of the tongue and then actions of the limbs are well known. That's your salat, you're making hajj and so on and so forth. Okay. So this is the chapter called Iman. An Abdullah, anytime you see Abdullah with nobody after him, like no Ibn Abbas or no Ibn Umar, that Abdullah is going to be Ibn Mas'ud. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَا يَدْخُلُ النَّارَ أَحَدٌ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالُ حَبَّةِ خَرْدَلٍ مِنْ إِيمَانِ وَلَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ أَحَدٌ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالُ حَبَّةِ خَرْدَلٍ مِنْ كِبْرِيَاءِ The Prophet alayhi salatu wa sallam said, none will enter the fire who has in his heart the weight of a mustard seed of Iman and none shall enter Jannah, who has in his heart the weight of a mustard seed of pride. And this is collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. You have 30 seconds, because we're running short on time. You have 30 seconds to come up with a title to this hadith with your partner. Bismillah. Wake up. I know you all ate. You're feeling real good, sleepy now. I want to talk to your partner. Talking in class always helps you stay up. Remember the general theme, sound heart. Okay, that was your 30 seconds. Who has something for me? Bismillah. Who has something? Yes. Sorry? Contents of the heart. Interesting. It's good. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Again? The weight of destination? Aha, uh-huh, okay. Tayyip. Yes. <laughs> you, you should get together with the brother in the back and you guys can write a series of books <laughs> with no pages, just covers. They'll sell, inshallah. Tayyip. All right. Um, Actually, the, the, issue, the issue that I was actually going for here is that, is that Iman, the seat of Iman, seat as in the home of Iman, is the heart. Okay? Now, you hear a lot of people say, don't judge me. My Iman is in my heart, right? Which we'll talk about later, inshallah. But that is the reality. As Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah ta'ala said that the scholars of Islam have consensus that the asl of Iman, Right? The base 
form of iman is from the heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, قال it العراب آمنا كلم تؤمنوا ولكن قولوا أسلمنا ولما يدخل الإيمان في كلوبكم. Right? The Arab, those, the Bedouins, they said that we are believers. Amanna. They said we have believed. Say you have not believed, but say aslamna, that we have submitted. And Iman has not yet entered into your hearts. And there's a lot of other evidence from both the Quran and the Sunnah that indicate that Iman, that the home of Iman is the heart. And what we see in terms of action and what we see in terms of these actions are also considered to be a part of Iman, legislatively. But where is the home of Iman? The heart. Okay? طيب. This, this hadith is a bit interesting. I'll do my best to explain it as quickly as possible. None shall enter the fire of hell who has in his heart the weight of a mustard seed of Iman. طيب. We do know that there will be some Muslims who are punished and purified in the fire. Correct? Let me ask you something. I know this is like, may seem a little weird. Do, do people praise Allah for being punished in the hellfire? Somebody said yes. Is there some evidence for that? there any evidence for, for that? Okay. The short answer is everybody who goes to hell praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone who goes to hell will praise Allah. And the reference for that is in Surah Ghafir. And uh, for some reason I can't think of the beginning of the ayah. But at the end, وَقِيلَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ يعني Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is talking about the, not the believers, he's talking about the non-believers who are going to be punished. And he says, وَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ يعني the decision will be made with justice and in truth. وَقِيلَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ And it will be said, الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ they will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why are they praising Allah? Because they know that he is just. That what he did was fair. And if you think that strange, there are criminals in this life who, when they stand before a judge or a jury and are, the decision is made that they are to go to prison, that they actually thank the judge that the decision was the right decision. They will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even the Muslims, those Muslims who are punished in the fire, that punishment is a purification process because everybody who enters Jannah has to be pure. Tibtum fadukhuluha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. You have become pure, so, so enter it. So here we know that there are some Muslims who are going to be punished in the fire, correct? There's no difference of opinion about that, by the way. That's not, a, that's not up for discussion. But here, the Prophet says, none shall enter the fire who has in his heart the weight of a mustard seed of Iman. 
And we know that every Muslim has at least a mustard seed of faith, a mustard seed of iman in his heart. So how do we understand this hadith? You understand the, the issue here? This hadith is saying if you have this in your heart, you won't go to, you, you'll, you'll never enter the hellfire. But so many other, you know, ayat and ahadith that indicate that some Muslims will go to the hellfire. So how do you understand that? It won't be their ultimate destination. That's the, that's the basic answer here. And that's important that when we study a hadith, even when we study the Quran, that you don't take one text in isolation and try to understand it without the other texts that have uh, similar meanings, without other relevant texts. So a tirmidhi rahimahullah ta'ala, who also narrated this hadith, he said that the scholars of hadith say, that the meaning is that that he won't go to the hellfire forever. Other scholars say that what this is referring to, the Prophet is referring here to the fire that is eternal, and that is the fire of the non-believers, whereas there is a fire that is extinguished, if you will, and that is the fire in which the Muslims who have committed major sins will be punished in if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't forgive them. Allah knows best. None shall enter paradise who has in his heart the weight of a mustard seed of pride. Okay? And we're going to discuss the issue of arrogance as we go on. Again, if a Muslim has in his heart some pride, okay, that doesn't mean that he'll never go to Jannah. But it does mean that there's a purification process that will take place. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. We're going to skip hadith number 9, go to hadith number 10. Okay. Hadith number 10 is interesting because it is not actually a statement of the Prophet, alayhi salatu However, there's a lot of benefit in it, and it is collected by al-Bukhari. He narrated that Ibn Abbas said, I was informed by Abu Sufyan that Heraclius said to him, who was Abu Sufyan? Again? The leader of Mecca? Okay. He, he was from the noblemen of Quraysh. And at the time of the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ, he was still not Muslim. He didn't accept Islam until later. His son was who? Muawiyah. And his daughter? Ramla. Ramla, what was her, what did they call her? Um what? Um Habiba. Okay. Tayyib. Abu Sufyan said that Heraclius said to him, this is when he, when he went to, to Rome. He said, I asked you whether they, that is the Muslims, were increasing or decreasing. You replied that they were increasing. So the number of Muslims was, was steadily increasing. And in fact, nah, and in fact, this is the way of true Iman. This is, these are his words. This is the way of true faith. 
كَذَلِكَ الْإِيمَانِ حَتَّى يَتِمْ Until it is complete in all respects. I further ask you whether there was anybody who after embracing his religion, يعني that is after they accepted Islam, became displeased. وَارْتَدُّ يعني ارْتَدَّ يعني they became an apostate or they left the deen. You replied in the negative. None of them, not a one. And in fact, this is a sign of true faith. When its delight enters the heart and mixes with the hearts completely, no one will be displeased. No one will dislike the faith. This is collected by Al-Bukhari. Take a 40 seconds, 30 seconds with your partner and come up with the title for this hadith. Bismillah. You're not excused. <laughs> Remember, we're talking about faith in the heart and these type of things. Bismillah. Who's got a title? Yes. The level of Iman, yes. Sorry? Contentment of the heart. Uh huh. Signs of Iman. Uh -huh. Yes. Sorry? True faith. The light of faith. Okay, excellent. So the idea is this here. Many of you have probably heard the statistics, right? That. Since 9-11, this is an American statistic, but I'll tell you about something here in Dubai. Since 9-11, over 50% of those who converted to Islam left Islam. Since 9-11. They converted to Islam, and then they went back to whatever it is that they were doing before. Here in Dubai, those who are working in Dawa have similar numbers. Those who are accepting Islam are not staying Muslim. Why do you think that is? Here in this hadith, we have those who were with the Prophet the ones who accepted Islam in Mecca. They were being boycotted, meaning what? For three years, they barely had food. They had to leave their land and go to Abyssinia. They, had, they faced so many difficulties and so many problems, but yet they, what? They remained Muslim. There was no worldly benefit for them whatsoever in becoming Muslim. None. There was absolutely nothing in the dunya that would have kept them Muslim. Not like today. Oh, he becomes Muslim. He gets showered with gifts, for example, or whatever. Maybe he gets married for, he wants to, he gets married. He, gets, he becomes Muslim because he wants to get married or something like this. No, there was none of that during the time of the Prophet. But yet they stayed firm on Islam. Why? What did, what did Heraclius say here? When the, when the delight of faith enters the heart, nobody leaves it. It doesn't matter if they were going to be cut in half. It would not take them away from their faith, as the Messenger said. 
Why do you think that we have people today who accept Islam and then leave Islam? Because they haven't, the delight of faith has not entered into their hearts. And subhanAllah, a lot of this, and I'm saying this out loud because we have to correct certain practices. A lot of this is because we are concerned about numbers. We want, oh, we want to accept Islam. Yes, my marquez has 2,000 people accept Islam. Mine 3,000, mine 500, mine this. So that we can just tell people that, Tayyip, the issue, when they accept Islam, then what? Then what happens? What have we done to help them taste the sweetness of faith? You see, subhanAllah, at the time of the Prophet, they accepted Islam because they truly believed in La ilaha illallah. And then they became a part of this body of Muslims who worshiped together, who thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together, who did everything together. They, they functioned as a community. A lot of these people, because I've read some of their stories, it's not that they, it's not that they lost faith in la ilaha illallah per se. It's that they never actually felt like they were a part of the Muslim community. And so they just consider themselves not to be Muslim anymore. Even though if you really drill down and you ask them, do you believe in something other than la ilaha illallah? They'll probably tell you, no, I do believe in la ilaha illallah. But they've left, yani they're not praying anymore, they're not fasting, because they never actually felt like they were part of a community. And a lot of times, it takes that community to help the iman enter the heart. It's not simply the shahada. And there's a lot of things that have to happen after that. In any event, think about this hadith, because we're going to cover next, we're going to talk about the sweetness of Faith, inshallah ta'ala. Tayyip. Hadith. Part two, actions of the heart. Okay, so we're talking about here devotional worship. Devotional worship. Actions of the heart. And the next 16 hadith or 17 are all under this category of actions of the heart. Tayyip. Let me, let me just say something real quick before we, before we go on to this. Uh, any of you know the story of, of the magicians in Fir'aun? Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that story in, in, in more than one surah in the Quran. In, sur, in surah Al-A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, he, he is informing us about the magicians who said that Musa himself was a what? He's a magician. He's a sorcerer. Okay. So Fir'aun gathered up the greatest sorcerers that he could find. And he promised them all types of great things. And they obliged. And they said, we'll, we'll come and we'll meet him and we'll show that his that our sorcery is greater than his, right? And then what happened? What happened? 
the opposite happened. And Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, when he threw down his staff and it became a serpent, the sorcerers knew what? They knew that he was a messenger of Allah. And they believed in Allah. They said, we believe in Rabbil Alameen. Fir'aun said what to them? Now mind you, how long have they been Muslim now? 30 seconds maybe at the most? Okay. Fir'aun says to them what? We're going to, I'm going to cut and he sliced your hands off and your feet from opposite sides. And then I'm going to crucify all of you. What did they say? They said it doesn't matter. We are, we are going to return back to Rabbil Alameen. That is an amazing, to me, that's just an amazing story. That in that short period of time, that they had that kind of resolve. But what do you think it was? It was that firm faith. It was the firm belief in Rabbil Alameen because they knew that that couldn't be magic. It had to come from Rabbil Alameen. If you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything else becomes easy. It becomes easy. It takes over your heart. And this is why... And Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala, and he says, when he talks about the fada'il of tawheed, or the, the virtues of tawheed, a person really having true faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worshiping him alone, he says, That from the greatest virtues of tawheed is that it frees you from the bondage of creation. And that's the reality. Your heart is attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today, I mean, in, in this section, inshallah, we're going to talk about actions of the heart. Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu ta'ala, anhu, said that the Prophet, alayhi said there are three qualities. Whoever possesses these qualities will taste the sweetness of iman. Okay, there was a slight error here. Whoever has the following three qualities will taste the sweetness of faith. That Allah and His Messenger وسلم, are more beloved to Him than anything else. That's number one, and you should probably put a number one next to it. Number two, He loves a person only for the sake of Allah. Number three, and He despises returning to disbelief after Allah has saved Him from it, just as He would, be, as he would despise to be thrown into the fire. It's collected by Bukhari and Muslim. I want you to read over that. And I really do want you to look, to talk with your partner. Think about it. Our book is called what? Actions of the Heart. Give me a chapter title for this. You have 30 seconds. Come up with the chapter title for this hadith. Oh, you have one already? One second, inshallah.
Play. This time, uh, if the sisters have a title, we'll take one from the sisters and then the young men in the back. Sisters have a title? Sweetness of Iman. Okay. Yes, in the back. Sorry? Same one, huh? Sweetness of Iman. Yes. Again? Three points of love from the heart. Okay. Tayyip. This, this hadith, um, without a doubt, it deals with the sweetness of Iman. But the action of the heart is, sweetness of the Iman is the result of an actions of the heart. So I wouldn't title this sweetness of Iman because I'm looking for an actual action here, which is loving Allah and loving for Allah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Okay? Because this is how you taste the sweetness of faith. You're actually going to have to maybe take some notes here. Inshallah. That's not asking too much, is it? I know it's after, after lunch and everything. So, Taif, you might want to get your, your pens out. Inshallah. First things first. Actions of the heart. What's better, actions of the heart or actions of the limbs? The heart. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala says that the reason why actions of the heart are better and more virtuous than the actions of the limbs is because the actions of the heart do not have a specified time. When you look at the, when you look at the actions of the limbs, there's a start time and an end time. Salat has a starting point and an end point. Uh, zakat is the same thing. Fasting is the same thing. Hajj and Umrah until the end of it. But when it comes to actions of the heart, like loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no start and end point. It has to be continual. SubhanAllah. I don't know where to start or where to end on this topic. That's Allah. Okay. Uh, I do want you to write this down. Love of Allah, loving Allah. It means that your heart is inclined to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which requires you to sacrifice for him, to give preference to what Allah loves over everything else, and to obey him over everything else. So, when you love something, you sacrifice for it. Many of you, how many of you have children? Raise your hands. You have children? Excellent. Do you sacrifice for your children? Yeah? What if, what if you just didn't feel like going to work one day? You just not go? No, why? Because you know that there are other people depending on you that you love. You don't want to let them down. You, if it was about you, if it was just you, a lot of times there would be a totally different approach that you would take. But because you love somebody, you do things that you wouldn't normally do. And this is important to understand. When you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know what he requires of you, even if it's something that at that said moment there's something more beloved to you or something else that you prefer to be doing, 
you do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. Until you get to the level where you only love what Allah loves. And that's a higher level. That's a higher level than loving Allah. So what that means is that you forsake your bed to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at night. And you love doing that, even though you're tired. It's, it's like Sufyan, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, nafsi ala sana. I fought myself to pray the night prayer for 20 years. La ilaha illallah. Yani, that's a long jihad. Jahadtu nafsi. I did jihad with myself for 20 years. And then he said, and then I tasted the sweetness of it. Taladadtu bihad. Yani, I enjoyed it for the next 20 years. And it, it, it became more beloved to him than anything else. And so these levels, it, it, it starts one place and then you keep doing it until it becomes beloved to you. You know, a person may, for example, when they first start practicing Islam, whether that's because they just accepted Islam or they fell off and they came back, maybe Fajr is difficult for them in the beginning. But let me ask you something. You're going to get up anyway, right? See, the deen is easy. The deen is easy. Because everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires us to do, we do anyway. There's nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires us to do that we don't already do anyway or wouldn't do. Do you agree with that? Would you make hajj if it was 